St. Joseph Radio presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Hello and welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. And I am your host on this blessed Holy Saturday. My name is Ray Gerard, And with me in studio today is Father Cassian Koneman. Uh, he is a Benedictine. He's with the St. Louis Abbey. And he's here today to talk to us, as, as it is appropriate to do so, about Holy Saturday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, all things related to the, the Triduum, the most blessed holiday season of the year. You know, what does, uh, what does the whole, what does the Paschal mystery mean? Now, Father, that's such a small topic. <laughs> uh, to explain the Paschal mystery, I mean, I'm sure you can do that in the time that we have allotted today. That shouldn't be a problem, should it? We'll try. <laughs> um, but anyways, we are uh, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We hope you're having a, a blessed and, uh, and great Lent and a great uh, ending to Lent. This is Holy Saturday tomorrow. Of course, Easter Sunday, the day when we remember uh, the resurrection of our Lord, the opening of the doors of the, the gates of heaven. I mean, it is, I mean, Good Friday, Easter, I mean, it is the pivotal moment of all of human history. I mean, where would we be if that had not ever happened? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. What, do you, what is it that you think of, Father, when you think of uh, Easter, the, you know, the Paschal mystery, all of that? I mean, it's such a wondrous, amazing uh, event. Yeah, an absolute mystery. Absolutely. I mean, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and all that involves, um, what those few days meant for all of, all of time, really, all of us, um, and the Unpacking that is, is such a beautiful topic. The, I think you have to start a little bit before the Passion, of course. You have to start on Holy Thursday, right? You have to start with that uh, last discourse in the Gospel of John and Jesus giving his final teaching to the people there and, and all that that means for, for what he really wants them to remember before he departs from them. And uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful little line in a teacher by the name of Judith McNutt. And, and she breaks down that, that final teaching and says that um, Jesus says that he, he knows he came from the Father. And he knows that he's had a mission with the Father's blessing. And he knows he's going to the Father. And, and that's the, that really encapsulates, I think, um, what he's trying to, to say to them right before he goes through the passion, death, and resurrection. And, and he's leaving that for us, too that we know, we should know, that we've come from the Father and that we have a mission um, that, that has a blessing from the Father and that we too are going to the Father. And, and there's a certain security in all that when you read the whole Passion, Death, and Resurrection from that key of his final message. Um, 
that's so beautiful. And I thank Judith for, for first opening my eyes to that. Um, but I, I think that's, that's where I would start. Yeah, I mean, it is such a comfort. You said there's security in this. There's such a comfort in knowing that there's a plan for all of us. That I was watching the movie. I was watching the movie yesterday, The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's mm-hmm. a golf movie. Mm-hmm. But it's a golf movie that's about a lot more than golf. I don't know if you ever happened to see it or not. No, you did not. Unfortunately, no. Um, but there is um, there reference. It's a story about a caddy. Uh, there's there's a there's a gentleman. He's going to participate in a golf tournament. He's got huge problems in his life. He doesn't want to participate in this golf tournament. And then he meets this this person that that comes like literally out of nowhere, and helps him through all of this. And it's funny because at various points during the movie, this caddy, this this guide, is not only a guide for this man on the golf course, but a guide for him to solve the problems in his life. This caddy talks about remembering, and he needs to remember, you know, where he came from. There's another point in the movie where, you know, there's a pivotal moment, a climactic moment in the movie, where he's deciding about how he has to get over these hurdles in his life. And the caddy tells him, you need to start. Start what? Start walking. Where? To where you have always been. And, for example, there's another thing where the, the caddy tells him, you know, I've been with you. I've been with you all along. I mean, that is uh, the story of our lives. We have to remember where we came from and realize that's where we're going. And you're, there is such a security of that. And this person in this movie He's got this anxiety-filled moment. It calms him right down. Mm. You know? But yeah, we have to remember, do we not? And that is what we're doing every year, isn't it? That we are remembering these key events and, and in a sense, reliving them, allowing them to, to be represented for us again, uh, obviously at every Mass. But, but this is the time of year when liturgically we really represent those mysteries so that they stay forefront in our memory. I mean, it's part of every Mass. It is part of the, this is tied up in every mass, yes. I mean, we remember now in, in, in detail what is represented, as you say, at every mass. Every mass, every day, all around the world, all for all time since, since Christ has, has, has come among us, um, represents this one event. This this combination of events, but yes, if you see, if you see the sacred triduum as one continuous event, yes, I, I think that's a valid interpretation. So, what is it that people, you know, I mean, we we experience Easter this time of the year uh, every time, you know, this this portion of the calendar rolls around. You know, if we're to tell people, you know, what they should be, what they should think about, what. You know, what is the meaning? What is it that they should, should take away from this, this time of year? I know there's not any one particular answer to that question. But, I mean, just, I don't know if you can give us like one of, of several. I mean, what is it, you know, that it might be helpful for people to think about? I know, I think it was St. Saint, uh, Saint Alphonsus Liguori who said, you know, just if you contemplate the passion, if you contemplate the suffering that, that Christ, Christ went through, just spending time meditating on the passion can hold immense rewards just just to think about that because invariably when you think about that you're thinking about Easter as well 
Yes, and I think that those initial kind of categories for people it, um, always include the depths of God's love for each of us, right? So there's a sense that if you look on that passion, you know that um, what he endured for us, for me in particular, um, it means that no matter how distant I may feel you know, from him, his love has gone well beyond what is necessary to to bridge that gap that I feel and, and to and to um, and to overcome whatever it needs to be overcome. I, I think there's that that notion of the crucifixion of the passion um, that that it reaches as far as it needs to reach as deep as it needs to reach to reach each of us. You said uh, just a second ago you said for me in particular. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a personal thing. You know, I think that, you know, God doesn't love us just generically as a people, you know? He doesn't love me uh, just as one of seven billion on earth right now or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's a it's a personal love, and I, I think that also is what the crucifixion stands for, that uh, I know that I've been saved out of some some things that need to be saving out of, uh, and that I know that there is that personal attention to helping to reconcile me. That would be a, another category, you know, reconciling me to the Father. And uh, he's opened heaven as a possibility for me and, and, and given me the grace to, uh, to have that kind of ticket, so to speak, towards that. And um, that's another category. But I think ultimately the, the f- final category I would add is um, he really wants to have that union with me. And that was part of the motivation for why he went to that cross for me. Um, the union, he so, desperately want, he so desperately wants the union, does he not? Um, you know, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, St. Faustina, you know, in her, in her diary talks about that. Uh, according to her uh, understandings, her revelations, uh, he so desperately wants to show uh, and to give us his mercy. He des- so desperately wants us to be united to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's when you think, just, just thinking about that and you, what he was, you know, what he was prepared to go through. I mean, he was, he's sitting in the garden uh, ahead of knowing what's to happen. I don't know what would, you know, would have been going through his head at that moment. You can only imagine. I mean, it's, it must have been amazing. Yeah, as he's preparing for that that passion, you know that that intensity of real human suffering that he felt um, speaks to those desires that he must have had that helped him to persevere. Right? I mean, there there he must have desired something so intensely for not just humanity, but I think more again more personally for me so as to uh, have gone through that. Um, I know it applies as much to you, Ray, and everyone else, but I, I think it's... And more, so, more so for me, because I'm in need of more, of more mercy. <laughs> no, I mean, I know it applies to everyone, but uh, I suppose it, I'm just, again, focusing on that desire he must have had. I mean, we all know what he did. I think it's, it's worth thinking sometimes, what were those motives he had for going through it, right? And, and I think... Uh, those easy answers of, of heaven and reconciling us to the Father are, are nice, but I, I think there was a greater depth to it. 
Uh, I think he did want, and, and God wants, union with us and, and a deep intimacy and friendship with us. And, and it's that kind of relationship that he wanted so badly that allowed him to, to persevere. Must have wanted it badly because uh, St. Paul says God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners. I mean, you can have somebody who wrongs you, who, you know, who, who chastises you, who ridicules you, and our normal response is to respond in kind. But he proved love. He proved love. Mm. Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, Christ was different simply because he's sitting in the garden and he knows what's going to happen. I mean, anybody else who suffers something like that might suffer a martyr's death, often enough, you may see the writing on the wall, but you don't know. What's, he knew every detail of what was going to happen, and it was so excruciating, mm. so brutal, and yet he was willing to go through with it. And that line, again, from St. Paul, when we were still sinners, right? I guess this is the time of year when we can, again, remember that state because of, of Good Friday, that for the rest of the year, perhaps we can focus more on being these adopted sons and daughters of God and all that that, that means, right? But what, what about for just one second, reflecting on the fact that that was a choice God made to extend that, you know, adopted sonship and daughtership to each of us. Uh, and that's a gift that comes from all of this, but yet it happened while we were still sinners, right? Well, while we were still, in a sense, um, needing that reconciliation, and still, in a sense, at a distance from God. Uh, I suppose for those of us who grew up as, as cradle Catholics or baptized early in life or have been Christians their whole lives, it, it, it's easy to focus on the being an adopted son and daughter of God and kind of still keep in mind that, that notion of, oh, yes, and yet I've been chosen for that and, and gifted that as something that we need to do periodically and, let's say, once a year. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to think, um, okay, I've been saved, sure. I mean, Christ, he came, he made this sacrifice, we know about this, and you treat, treat it like it's something normal. But it really is so completely radical. And the idea that there's a choice made by God to suffer for us, there's a choice made by God for us, for me in particular, as you say, I mean, <laughs> that, that just, uh, yeah, the thoughts that just, just I mean, I, I think of myself as so completely unworthy. Well, there's that beautiful hymn in Philippians that um, though he was of the form of God, he emptied himself and became uh, like us, a slave, and, and even to the point of death, death on a cross. That's what, that's what you're really talking about. Yeah, and that's why I think meditating on the cross uh, is is just so it can be overwhelming, you know. I suppose we don't want to think about the cross, mm. you know. And in in many Christian churches, they don't have the full crucifix because it is horrible to think of. Most a lot of people don't want to watch the movie The Passion of the Christ because it's horrible. But thinking about it does inevitably, invariably, cause you to think about the depth of the love that was behind it. 
Yeah, and then there's that paradox, right? That it was meant to be a sign of defeat, and yet it has become a sign of victory. It's become the greatest sign of victory there ever has been um, in, in this world, and and it has that great reversal that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You see that right there in that crucifix, right? Um, because this very sign of death and and defeat has become the greatest sign of victory. Of victory <laughs> it's amazing. You know? That's amazing. This is uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We're here uh, with our guest, uh, Father Cashin Koneman, talking about Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and I will toss in uh, Holy Thursday as well, the Paschal Mystery, the Triduum, this blessed time of the year. And our guest is the author of a book called The Grace of Nothingness. The Grace of Nothingness. That's a curious title, but it, it, it's a very intriguing one and makes me want to, obviously, I didn't know about this book before today, so I'm, I'm going to be getting, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to get a copy of this book. I'm going to have to get a copy of this book. Um, that's such an intriguing title, and it just seems so true. There is, there is, uh, it would seem like there is such grace in, uh, in nothingness. But anyways, you can get this book yourself as well, either by visiting our studios at St. Joseph Radio here in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, or I guess a little bit easier if you want to just simply deliver it to your house. You can go onto uh, Amazon, Amazon.com, and pick it up there. The Grace of Nothingness, Father Cassian Koneman. Also, by the way, taking care of some business, making some, making some announcements. There is uh, for people here in the St. Louis area the Divine Mercy Conference. It's coming up at St. Angela Marici Catholic Church. It's coming up uh, next weekend, April twenty-third. Um, it runs from eight a.m. to three thirty p.m. It starts with with mass. And uh, then there's more to follow. Registration is required. Uh, so if you have questions, you can call 636-447-6000. That's one way. Or I suppose, obviously, you can contact the folks at St. Angela Marici Catholic Church. Also, uh, there is a, uh, a March for Life uh, coming up uh, this week, April 20th, uh, happening in uh, our capital here in Missouri. It's the 2022 Midwest March for Life. You can go to www.midwestmarchforlife.com and get all the details. However, uh, back to uh, back to our discussion with Father Cashin. Uh, Father, so yeah, we're just simply talking about uh, the depth of love of God. I mean, that's, that's uh, uh, wow. That's that's that's. I mean, it might actually cost uh, your brain to. Have explode I suppose a little bit I mean it's just it's hard to it's hard to even fathom I guess one small farthing of of what that depth would be like but to make the sacrifice that he did uh, it's really it's it's something you really can't comprehend and I have a little quote actually um, that talks just to that depths um, that's here from the book Um, it's by blessed Columba Marmion who is a Benedictine who was a Benedictine early 20th century Be a monument of his mercy for all eternity. The greater the wretchedness and the unworthiness, the greater and more adorable his mercy. That gets to that that depths part you're talking about. The abyss of our wretchedness invokes the abyss of his mercy. It is an immense consolation for me to see that you are traveling by this road which is so sure, which leads to such heights, and which glorifies the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the mercy of God. 
It is the way I have chosen to help me by your prayers. I love that notion of um, just no matter how far we can be, the abyss of our wretchedness. You know, he places it in that stark phrase to say no matter how far away you could be, um, the abyss of God's mercy is proved to go to that depth and to, to find you and to bring you back. Um, I, I, I think the stark language is actually helpful to highlight that mercy to that extent. And, and then I think his wonderful thing of being a monument of God's mercy is, is something that I think is absolutely stunning as far as a way of living out from the crucifixion and the passion, death, and resurrection going forward. But anyway, his first phrase of um, just how deep that goes, that, 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 that the abyss, you know, so many people feel, even as adopted sons and daughters of God, they feel so far. They've got that emotional feeling of being far. Um, and, and I think that the, the message of these days um, is that really, no, no, he, he can go that far. He can go that deep with you. There's a... Uh there are groups of people that are organized around helping people who have been part of an abortion in their lives. And whether it's people that fall into that category or people who have all kinds of other problems, it's very tempting to think, I don't deserve, uh, he can't forgive me. Mm. I, I've, I've rejected him. I've spurned him. I've done so many things against him. He can never forgive me. But what you're saying is from that quote is that we actually give him glory by accepting his mercy. Yes, yeah. Like that is actually what is part of the program, right? To show just how merciful he is. It's, it's, I, I had the privilege a few years ago to, on two separate Holy Weeks, to go in Sicily to go to treatment programs and to, to minister there with people who are uh, were really struggling, say, with alcohol addiction or drug addiction. And, and it was beautiful because I was the out-of-towner, out right? So they were always happy to talk with me. They knew I'd leave and never see them again. <laughs> um, and, and I heard confessions for many, many, many hours. And I just saw a torrent of grace drop down on these people like every 30 minutes, you know, um, because they would say things like, I mean, this isn't revealing anything. They would say, I went into addiction because... I was running from something that was really weighing me down. And, and, and they'd say, I need to give my first confession in 30 years, 40 years. And what a relief it was. You know, by the time they get to me, all they want is that, is that help out, that higher power to get them out and to help them to feel the, the peace and to feel what it what it means to be at peace with oneself and God and other people and, and how easy it is to just give that mercy in that moment, right? You see the person who's gone through the most extremes. I mean, you mentioned some of those extremes, but you see people who have gone through such extremes and then you see the peace hit them. You see the, the mercy hit them and the grace hit them and it's just a beautiful, beautiful experience. So they're running, they're... They succumb to addictions or, you know, whatever the problems in their life were because they're running from something. Yes. And instead, they run to the mercy. It, and there, that was an especially privileged moment of it because it was Holy Week, um, because it's a treatment program in a sense. You've hit rock bottom. 
and you say, I just want help. I want, and, and then they, there's a little bit of that programming of I want a higher power to help me out as well. Um, but they started to apply it at much. It's not just out of the addiction. It's like I want, I want a new life that has interior freedom. I want a new life that has uh, the ability to just see myself anew. That rebirth that you talk about of, of the original message of Easter and, and why it connected so powerfully with those who needed rebirth. And, and I think that applies to everyone. But I, I think that, again, that's the depths to which this can go. And going back to that quote that you gave, when somebody who has this kind of a problem, an addiction, let's say, to drugs of some sort, and then they run to the mercy, they're acknowledging that the mercy is there. They're acknowledging that there is a God to run to. And when they do that, they do, uh, they, they are a monument to, the, to that mercy. They are testifying. Yeah. They're testifying yeah. to the reality of God, not only God, but that right. he's a loving God. And then, and that's why, and then other people that have that same addiction see that and say, well, wait a minute, what's, and that's why these, yeah. these groups of, of fellow addicts are so powerful because they really would trust that kind of acknowledgement coming from somebody in their same position. Absolutely. The testimonies you could get, you know, down the line from, from a situation like that are absolutely glorious, aren't they? You know, uh, when you can really see God at work in that circumstance, and then you can start to apply, okay, well, God can be at work in my circumstance too. Um, and, and that is the real glory of this whole sacred triduum, isn't it? That, that is the, the real message of it. You know, the, the base message of Savior, um, actually the, the root word there is about health. It's about healing, um, strangely enough. So uh, seeing Christ as that great healer, and this is part of the process. I just love that, that image that you, that you gave us with, you can be a monument to God. I mean, not, you go from someone being unworthy to receive forgiveness from God to someone actually giving something to God by letting him heal you. You let him, by being an example, by being a, a testament, an acknowledgement that others can see, you're giving him glory. You're actually giving, I mean, that's sort of an amazing idea that you can actually give glory to God and be a monument to God by letting him heal you. Yes, and, and that... You know, that basic turn is one that so many of us need to make as well. A lot of us are trying to build monuments, even for God, maybe to ourselves, but even for God. Um, and, and the basic thing is, no, you, he doesn't really need that. He needs you to just be a monument of his mercy. Yes. So we are going to uh, take a, a short break. Uh, this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from the realm of the West, as we so probably say, St. Louis, Missouri. We're here talking uh, with Father Cash and Koneman about Easter, the Paschal Mystery, and all things related to uh, this very blessed time of the year. Uh, and uh, we hope that you will uh, stay with us. We know you're going to stay with us. Uh, what could be more uh, beautiful to talk about than all of this? So uh, just uh, come back. We're going to take, a, as I say, a, a short break. And then we'll be back with more from Father, uh, with Father Cashin, uh, Koneman. So. 
Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. All right, welcome back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, uh, and I'm your host, Ray Gerard, with Father Cashin Koneman talking about all things having to do with the Paschal Mystery, the Holy Triduum, this uh, blessed and holy time of year. And uh, so, Father Cashin, we were just talking about this immeasurable depth of love um, of God. Uh, does, uh, there's a sermon that you mentioned uh, before the program began while we were talking. Uh, St. Francis gave a sermon on the perfect joy. Does that relate to this? Some way it does. I mean, I think it's it's one of my favorite sermons, and it's certainly applicable uh, in this season. So, to tell the story, just a little bit of of the the setting for it is that Saint Francis. You can find the story in the Little Flowers of Saint Francis. Uh, you can also find it online. But, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, Saint Francis is walking in the cold in the snow um, back to Assisi uh, with Brother Leo. And he asks Brother Leo, what, in what consists perfect joy? And, and Brother Leo starts with various, uh, you know, explanations of it. And he says, Good, to convert the whole world, you know, say, say to Christ's love and, and his grace. And St. Francis says, no, no, Brother Leo, that's not perfect joy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he says, uh, for all the brothers to know the Bible perfectly and, and to be able to explain God, you know, wonderfully. And he says, no, 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 no that's not perfect joy either. Uh, and he, they keep walking for a while, and so he's thinking, and he says, okay, what about for us to do great miracles and raise the dead after four days? And and St. Francis says, no, yeah, no, that's not perfect joy either. <laughs> and Brother Leo's thinking at this point, yeah, why don't you just give me the answer? <laughs> exactly, like he's going <laughs> yeah. so what is it? Uh, and, and the thing that uh, St. Francis really wanted to highlight in the whole thing, and, and this is his, his words, 
above all the graces and gifts of the Holy Spirit, which Christ gives to his friends, is that of conquering oneself and willingly enduring sufferings, insults, humiliations, and hardships for the love of Christ. For we cannot glory in all those other marvelous gifts of God, as they are not ours but God's. As the apostle says, what have you that you have not received? And then after that, he adds that he would glory only in the cross of Christ. Um, so this is a definite reframing of you know, what we think of as, I think, rejecting spiritual acquisition, all those wonderful things that would be worth doing for God, you know, wonder, sharing God's mercy with others at a very deep level, um, being able to explain God, being able to do God's powerful works again. All of those would be great graces and wonderful graces and, and wonderful to receive and, and to do. But the reframing here is not, I think, of acquisition, but rather of what can we receive. Um, and that gets to a very deep level of receiving. But before we jump to that, I think, you know, it's first receiving the mercy we talked about earlier. First, just receiving, like, what does God want to do in my life? Um, and, and and trying to follow that with discernment um, rather than trying to tell God what I'm going to do for him in my life. Uh, and then, but this is a receiving where he's saying, I think, okay, Lord, if you want to relive even that aspect of your life that was most difficult in some degree in my life, says St. Francis, um, I'm willing to let you do that. So it's easy say to, to say to, to Jesus, I'd love for you to relive all those great evangelical works that you did. I'd love you to relive those miracles through my life. You, you know, That's an easy thing. He's saying, I think, I'm also willing for you to do some bit of sacrifice in my life, whatever that is appropriate to my life, you know, uh, and, and to find God even in that space. So, so often we don't want to find God in those difficulties, right? We just want the <laughs> good side. And I think he's extending it to show us that we can find meaning, he says perfect joy, um, but meaning in the difficulties and burying them with Christ as well, and seeing them really as a participation in that side of Christ's life, uh, in the sense of the way that Christ, maybe for this day, this Holy Saturday, which has that kind of heaviness to it, um, our little participation in, in Christ's passion and death, uh, and, our, and our allowing that to happen with, uh, I guess, some equanimity, <laughs> some, some ability to... to to be, okay, I could do this through Holy Saturday, and I'm looking forward to Easter tomorrow as well and reliving that part of your life too. That is the hardest thing for a human person to do, is it not? To conquer yourself. Mm -hmm. You spend your entire life in your own head, and you're always thinking about things from your own perspective. I, I, I mean, to not do that, to avoid doing that, that seems almost impossible. But that's what he describes as perfect joy. You have to conquer yourself and I mean you you have perfect joy if you willingly accept suffering that's a <laughs> I can understand why brother Leo didn't come up with that answer even if you're willing to accept suffering I, mean, I don't think it is just that realm of suffering but that you're willing to let God into all aspects of your life so 
you know, if generally in your life you're either trying to make yourself the center of everything or you're trying to make God the center of everything, <laughs> you know, and I think in that latter of making God the center of everything, there, there's a health healthy way of doing that that still, you know, takes care of ourselves. Um, but as we're moving more in that direction of making God the center of everything, um, how do we see that in, 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 in any circumstance, right? How do we see that play out in any event that we have in our lives? Sometimes you have a real d- deep trauma, and you got to be able to try to find God in that. Sometimes you have a real deep grief, and a real lack in your life, uh, a, a real sense of incompleteness in your life. You lose a job. Um, sometimes you have to find God even in those circumstances or allow to, yourself to see God at work in you even amid those difficulties. Uh, and and that's, that's letting him in and be the center of everything at a, a much deeper level. So if, if God becomes the center of your life and you can accept suffering with equanimity, along with you know, the good things in your life. Is that not also, if, if other people see that, is that not also giving an example to other people? Are we not again being a monument to God? If, if we can be a monument by letting him give us mercy, I mean, can we not also be a monument to him and testify to him in the depth of, 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 of everything uh, he is in our lives if we accept suffering, if he wants us to have suffering of some sort or another? It, it's true, and and we would be a monument to his mercy in that sense, um, especially if you're talking about like forgiving another person. You know, I, I know I said this last time, but I was here. But but nonetheless, you know, we, that is a great way of showing mercy, right? Some incompleteness has happened in your life because someone's done something to you, but you've got the chance of really showing that grace can abound even in that situation. You can show yourself of really being a person who lets God's mercy reign, trusting, again, that you have your own path of graces in this life, no matter what, that, that, that that's happening. You're still going to the Father no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, and, and that, that's, that's kind of the key, right, to being able to do it. I was talking to somebody yesterday about a situation inside a family where some people in the family weren't talking to other people in the family. You know, one person expected an apology to come from other people who didn't think that they owed an apology. As a matter of fact, I thought the apology should go in the other direction. And if you look at that, however, if if the person, if both of the people that are involved in that were were to say, this suffering, this, this, this turmoil, this, this difficulty that I have to now bear because this, I don't want to talk to this other person. If you look at that as an opportunity to be a monument for God, all of a sudden you're, you're conquering, I mean, you're conquering yourself. You're not thinking about it from your own perspective. I mean, we can apply this, you know, to those everyday situations. Yes, I mean, I can think of um, a couple, right? You could have couples that are in, let's say, challenging times in their marriage. And maybe it's not yet the moment to say, I'm sorry, or, you know, I do forgive. But could there be first an intermediate step of, okay, uh, I still will you're good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still willing to be here and, and make, a, make an effort at this. Uh, and then the next step beyond that is... Um, okay, I still do want to be a blessing to you. And and I can at least say that, right? Even if I'm not yet ready to say I'm sorry or I'm not yet ready to say I forgive, 
there is still that meeting that little half step closer uh, of I still want to be a blessing to you. Uh, and eventually you could see that the mercy is, is a really deep blessing at all of that. That's an interesting phrase you just, you just gave, a blessing to you. So when we, for example, forgive somebody else, we extend somebody, you know, some kindness that doesn't seem to us to be warranted or, or may not be expected by the other person, and we do that anyway, we're actually a blessing from God to the other person. Yes, indeed. And it would take a sacrifice to do that. Uh, you know, that's, that's, again, just to go outside our realm of, of normal thinking, to actually think that we could be an instrument of God himself. You know, to think, for example, that God could forgive us despite the fact that I've done, you know, some horrible things, you know. And then to think I can be a monument to God. That's just way outside our normal way of thinking. And then to likewise think that, you know, I can do this kindness for this person. And I can, it's not just me giving this kindness, but it's actually God through me that's giving this kindness. I mean, again, you know, that, that just seems, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just amazing. If we actually, I mean, if we could actually see ourselves that way, it's not how we normally think of ourselves. Oh, and I, I would say taking it a step further, too, you know, um, not only seeing ourselves as instruments of God in that setting, um, but I think tying it again together with St. Francis of Assisi, that, uh, you know, we complete the sufferings that, that we're lack, or we complete what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What is that, Colossians oof, 124, maybe? Um, well, your guess is definitely better than mine. <laughs> it's there s- close to that. <laughs> Um, but there's this notion of the redemptive value of suffering that we embrace uh, and that, you know, really, those are prayers. Those are powerful prayers when, when we can do nothing more, as Gerald May beautifully says in his book, Addiction and Grace, nothing more than just offer, the, the, rather than the clenched fist, just the open hand to someone else. I mean, that's that moment when you've got little else to, you've got few options, right? But what a powerful option you still have left, um, which is, okay, this may hurt for a time, I'm, but I'm not going to offer the clenched fist no matter what. Uh, and, and that is a powerful work of God, right? And a transformative work of God, both for that person individually, but also for whatever circumstance it is. There has to be a grace for that circumstance that, that's got to transform Maybe slowly that circumstance, but it's got to be one that's powerful. And when you give a, a, an unexpected kindness to somebody, that you just said a powerful work of God. I mean, those random acts of kindness, or you know, exchanging love in, in response to some hateful thing. The effect on the other person that you can watch sometimes is really just amazing. And, I mean, because it strikes them like out of the blue. And that can really work for, for real good. And you know that there's, and it's, so that's, that's evidence of the, of the, you're speaking of the power of God. That, that dramatic change in, the, you know, that other person's uh, expression, that dramatic change that you might have on them, that, that's evidence of the power. And again, if we put it back into a family setting, maybe it's not necessarily going to impact that person as much as you want it to, but it impacts yourself by making the choice. And it may impact the, the, those 
say, who see the, the action itself, or at least see the effects of the action itself, um, or maybe your friends and family just see a change in you. Um, but there is a great grace there, no matter what. And you know that obviously gets us back to this whole idea of the sacrifice that was made as the example for all of us for all time. You know, what, what do we think about when we think about Easter? What are we supposed to be thinking about when we think about Easter? Yeah, you may make, make sacrifices for the other people because he made one for us. Yes, I mean, I think, again, getting back to that little quote by Gerald May, um, you see on the crucifixion that one option of offering, you know, the empty hand rather than the clenched fist. I mean, could Jesus have fought back? Yes, he could have, right? But there we have it. He's not fundamentally here to fight back against us. He's fundamentally here to reconcile us. He's here to reconcile. He's here to reconcile to us, uh, and you know, with the, with the depth of love that we just, you know, it's it's just hard to to comprehend. I know a guy. I mean, you were talking earlier in the program about you know doing these confessions with people who maybe haven't been to a confession for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And there's a gentleman I knew who um, he had a, a conversion moment in his life, and he went to confession at one point. And he said, you know, I poured out 30 or 40 years of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what happened at the end of that? I had been doing this, I don't know, it's like half an hour, 45 minutes. He's pouring all of this out in this confession. And he says, you know what happened at the end of it? You know what the priest said to me at the end of it? He said, I absolve you in the name of the Father and of the Son. And he then says, as he's telling this story, he says, you know, who has the power to do that? To really absolve you of the eternal effects of mortal sin on your, on your soul, who's got the power to do that? Father, you're one of them. You're one of the people. I mean, obviously, by the grace of God and yeah, acting you know, for God. But... I mean that's that's part of the love that he has for us as well that he's instituted this 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 practice the sacrament this this extension of his love to bring us back to him. Uh, yeah, and there's a reason that there's a crucifix hanging in every confessional, you know, right? <laughs> it's there. It's to remind us all of the depths of the mercy that's that's on offer, right? Um, and if you're ever afraid of going to a priest, I mean. By the way, priests have heard most everything. <laughs> like, like so, so like you, you think that what you're gonna say is gonna scandalize them? They're probably bored out of their minds to tell you the truth. Like, I mean, it's interesting to help people, but in the sense of the content that you bring us is is not new to us, right? You know, yeah. Um, and most every priest just wants to to give that mercy and to to give you, and not just the forgiveness. I mean, the the real work of God, the power of God to really heal and transform and perfect a person and to transform a person from within, you know, that higher power that can actually really just renew and change a person. Um, and, and and that's that's so key as well in, in this whole notion of things. So I want to remind everyone that this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live, live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We're here with Father Gashin Koneman, author of uh, a book, The Grace of Nothingness, which you can get on Amazon.com. And uh, about all things having to do with Easter, Good Friday, Holy Thursday, the Paschal Triduum, talking about mercy, talking about love, talking about being a monument to God, talking about being an 
an instrument of God's power, all these things. Um, and, you know, we, they're amazing things to, to think about, to contemplate. We don't spend hardly enough time ever really contemplating them. But um, you're talking, Father, about the fact that priests want to have people come to confession. Priests want to extend God's mercy. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be able to offer that uh, to people. And, you know, to people who might be afraid to go to confession, haven't probably gone to confession for a long time, I'm sure the message would be, would be. Please come. Uh, I, I, what was uh, Pope Francis's phrase, I think, was something along the lines of, um, we, I think, get tired of seeking his mercy much more quickly than God tires of giving it to us, <laughs> right? And I think he's trying to form priests in all of that too. But I, I think, um, no, it, it's there on offer. And do certainly priests want to, to offer it. Um, that that is the whole purpose of the 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 system, right? Is is to help us to get cleaned up, help us to get that new birth, help us to get that new chance in life, and uh, it is a powerful powerful thing. And it's a wonderful privilege to sit there. Yeah, and um, and yet the idea would be obviously we have this blessed sacrament so that people get that 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 second chance. It's that whole it's this whole um, message of redemption. And again, obviously, that that brings us to his sacrifice. There is, and then the the resurrection. So we're sitting here on Holy Thursday, on Holy Saturday, in anticipation of Easter Sunday, which is the resurrection, which is the redemption. And you know, at every mass, you know, we remember the sacrifice, and with every confession, we get the chance at redemption. And you know, I when I go to confession, I mean, it's always. Um, you know, you say your act of contrition, and then you promise that with the help of God's grace, you're going to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. And then I find myself going back to confession. <laughs> I mean, to say, well, I didn't really do that, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm here with, you know, many of the same sins. And then, you know, again, I get the absolution. And it always leaves me wanting to really do better, to come out of that confessional and to, be <laughs> and to appreciate this this gift that's given over and over and over again. I mean, every time I go and and I have to confess some of the same sins, you know, it just. I mean, it's it, and and you get that 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 uh, that forgiveness again. It just makes you so appreciative. It does, and, and you know, for for those who are in a cycle, so to speak, uh, on the whole thing, you know, again, it the the goal is not yet to be that perfect, perfect person for God. I mean, yes, he wants us to, he's called us to be perfect and he's not joking about it. He, he really means it. Um, but as an intermediate step, perhaps, is that first accepting mercy and giving mercy, you know, accepting our own frailty, our own foibles, our own weakness, um, even down to the level of wretchedness that, that putting it as the ex- extreme. Um, means first letting that mercy enter much more deeply into the life and giving it then to others much more deeply. And progress will come, right, afterwards. Um, but again, that reframes it in, in the sense of not beating yourself up about not being perfect one week later. Um, but it's, it's a process of getting you there, too. And, and part of that, I think, is, is this reframing of just receiving mercy and giving it and, and then making progress also towards perfection along the way, but in a much more peaceful kind of approach. And 
you know, again, just this idea of trying to get closer to God, to understand, I mean, it involves understanding really who he is. And if we acknowledge that he can forgive us, that once we've confessed a sin, it's gone, then you're giving testimony to him, you're giving glory to him, you're, under, you're understanding a little bit better yourself as to, you know, to who he is. If you, um, you know, if you realize that he's going to forgive you over and over again, as long as you ask for it with sincerity, um, yeah, then you, then you, that's, that's the reason why we have confession, is it not? That's the reason why we get, uh, get forgiveness over and over again, because it helps us understand who he is. He's the one who's willing to give it over and over seven times, 70 times. There's no end to his love. Uh, and I would flip it, uh, and we understand who we are to him as well, you know, as that beloved daughter or son of God, that um, that dignity is is there no matter what. That that gift, is, is that identity is something that cannot be uh, erased by anything that we've ever done. That, that notion of um, the prodigal son coming back and being embraced first and foremost, and given the ring and given the sandals, that, that there's, there's that, that part of, of that familial relationship that's there so fundamentally that it can't be er- eradicated. Um, and I think within that context, making a distinction between sin and shame, right? Guilt and shame. Like right. The guilt is like, I've done wrong and I'm sorry. Uh, the shame is that twisting of that sense of self into like I am wrong, and 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 sometimes that can linger for people from time to time. And but getting that out of the system as well, of which well, I am no matter what a beloved daughter or son of God, and and that's that is so much more fundamental than than the rest of this, and that'll help to, I think again ease the the transition out of some of that shame as well as 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 any guilt that's there as well. So as the apostle says, destined for adoption to himself before the foundation of the world. That's true for each of us. That's, uh, that's another amazing concept. We've had more than uh, a few of those on this, on this program. We've talked about several of them. We've talked about being a monument to God by letting him heal us. We've talked about perfect joy being a sense of uh, well, a willingness to accept suffering for God. These are just some of the things that we've discussed in our discussion about Easter. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you uh, will join us again next time. Father Cashin Koneman, it has been our great pleasure to have you here today. We hope everyone has a blessed Easter. Thank you for listening. This has been St. Joseph Radio Presents. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.